Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create your own MFR business, how to have one, and what to do to get started. Each week, we will discuss practical ways to create a business that keeps you from under-earning and burning out. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Over 10 years ago, I decided to change my massage practice to MFR only. I became fully booked and have enjoyed years of success helping people to get out of pain and return to active lifestyles. I'm here to help you do it too, even if you live in a tiny town and even if you've never had a business before. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Today, I am interviewing a dear friend of mine, Amber Dibert, and we are going to be discussing some very important topics for you. So Amber, why don't you introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are? Hi, Heather. I'm so excited to be here. Sorry, I bumped my mic there. I am a performance coach and I work with achievers who hold themselves back. I work with people who have big dreams. Like you're like, I've always wanted to start the business. I've always wanted to do the thing, but I know that I'm the one getting in my own way and I'd like to stop getting in my own way. And I'm so glad that we're talking about this because imposter syndrome is really one of the biggest ways that these achievers get in their own way. Yeah. I think this is so perfect. It's perfect to have you with your wheelhouse of coaching to come in here and talk to my MFR therapists who are our high achievers. They've either been through physical therapy schools, occupational therapy school, massage therapy school, and then they've decided to go and get this additional training in myofascial release. And now they're like, what do I do with this? Do I just add this as a tool in my tool belt or do I fully go all in and just be an MFR therapist? And of course, those are my people, the people that go all in. (laughs) So So what's so cool about it? And you talked about them as being high achieving, like getting all those different certifications and licenses and all those accreditations that they have. Mm-hmm. like defines them as achievers because you would not go and get all those things unless you were an achiever right. and achievers are the ones who experience the imposter syndrome more than anyone else. So I'm sure that this is something that is very familiar to them. Yes. Fascinating. All right. Tell us everything. What yeah, is so first, it? What is it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, about it? Some people are like, what is the imposter syndrome? I've never heard about that before. So yeah. the imposter syndrome was identified, I think in the like late seventies, early eighties by a group of researchers Interestingly, they were interviewing all these people and they saw a trend among, I don't know if your audience is more female or male, but they saw a trend um, around professional women. Professional women tended to like discount themselves and they didn't see it so much around on the men. So they decided to like check it out and they kept seeing this trend. So they called it the imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome is the feeling that you're a fraud. The feeling that you shouldn't be where you are, right? The feeling that like you just got lucky or people put you in this position, but you really shouldn't be in this position. And you worry that at any moment, they're going to find out that you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Because I think MFR therapists struggle with, you know, they go to a seminar and you really do have after that 20 hours of training enough information to be an MFR therapist. Yes, there are still hundreds of techniques you could learn, but you really could get going and start doing it and really start developing your skills. Mm -hmm. But so many people, it's like, well, I'll just take one more seminar and then I'll be Mm -hmm. confident. I'll just take one more. Pretty soon you're like seven, 800 hours in and still possibly not practicing. Right. It's like sitting in a classroom and learning all about swimming 
for, but like being in the classroom, you yeah. have to actually jump in the pool in order to actually swim. But as soon as you jump in the pool, you feel so uncomfortable because it's something that you've never done before. And you're like, I shouldn't be here. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I thought that I learned, I got the certification and how to swim from the classroom. But like now that I'm in the water, I feel so uncomfortable. And that's when you discount yourself and everything that you know, because you feel so awkward doing it. Yeah. Do you think people just aren't willing to maybe feel awkward ahead of time? Like they're like, I don't want to feel I mean, awkward. yeah, it's like so uncomfortable. Like, especially in today's society, we don't want to feel discomfort Mm -hmm. or we expect that if we are going to be successful at this particular thing, then it will come easily to us. Right. Like we'll just naturally be talented. Right. It just, right. Like we're kind of entitled to it. If we did, if we did all the steps, then it should just work out. And for me, I feel like it's not even like necessarily an entitlement. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm not seeing that, but (laughs) for me, it's like, I discount that I'll be able to do it unless it comes easily. I see other people doing the same thing I want to be doing and they seem to be able to do it easily. They're like naturally gifted or naturally talented. Like it comes easily to them. So when it doesn't come easily to me, that's when I'm like, something is wrong. Something is definitely wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. We're not cut out for this. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're uncomfortable, if you're crying behind the scenes or you like (laughs) feel no motivation to find clients because it just seems impossible. Yes. And you see someone else creating an amazing business and you're like, they did it. So I should just be able to do it. What's the, what's the disconnect for me? Yeah. There must be something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm not cut out with it somehow. So there's three different flavors of imposter syndrome. Okay. The first is feeling like a fraud. Okay. Feeling like people are going to find out that you're making this all up and you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. The second flavor of it is discounting everything that you've done. You just kind of were like, well, anybody could have done it. The success that I've achieved isn't anything extraordinary. Like anybody could have learned this. My favorite example of this was a guy who got a PhD in rocket science. (laughs) And he was like, anybody could have done it. (laughs) Like clearly that's not true. (laughs) Yeah. And then the third flavor of it is feeling like you got lucky. The people who hired you or maybe the people who passed your certification or maybe the people who gave you this promotion or put you in this position were temporarily incompetent. They didn't know what they were doing when they put you in this position or when they hired you, like they didn't realize that they were signing up for somebody who didn't know what they were doing. Wow. So those are the three different flavors of imposter syndrome. A lot of people will kind of like lean towards one, but they might experience all three at any given time. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like myself and like Mm -hmm. how many times I have done something big, like wrote a book and published it. And I'm like, oh, well, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yes. Right. And to me, writing a book, I'm like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, not anybody can do it. That does not sound fun to me. Right. My brain is like going to totally argue with you. It's like, no, because I did it, anyone can do it. Yes. It's totally easy. It's not out of the ordinary. Anybody could do it. Yeah. You totally discount what you accomplish. Yeah. That's amazing. Good to know. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to try to. (laughs) So another aspect of the imposter syndrome and the reason why you feel it is because you feel like you're the odd one out in some way. Mm. I actually was just talking to a client yesterday and she had like checked every box of feeling like the odd one out. If you feel like other people have more experience than you, Mm -hmm. then you are prone to make yourself the odd one out. If you are the only one of your gender or your race or your age or your like any other identifier, Like if you look around the room and you're the only one that's like you, then you're going to feel like an imposter. That's fascinating. Yeah. Right. 
like this well, I'm just thinking talking like to. all these MFR therapists that are driving to work every morning and they're, you know, most people just are a single practitioner clinic and they are the only one in their town or, or they are the only one for th- a three hour radius doing one. Yes. Thing. Yes. So it just kind of sets you up for that feeling. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. You feel like the odd person out. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. I felt that lots of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason why this is going to be very applicable for your audience is because of all the different levels or stages they go through to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. So I want everybody listening and Heather, I want you to try this too. Like think of an area right now where you feel like an imposter. You feel like you're making it all up. You have no idea what you're doing. You're worried that people are going to find out that you don't know what you're doing. I want you to imagine a time in the past when you felt that same way. It might've been when you first graduated college. It might've been when you first got your massage therapy certification. I'm using all the words, wrong words. Oh, like <laughs> at any one of these times, right? Like the first time you gave a massage, you probably felt really uncomfortable and felt like you didn't know what you're doing. Totally. Like technically you have the piece of paper that says you can do it, but you still feel so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to imagine like at this point in time right now, do you still feel uncomfortable doing that thing? No, I don't even do massage anymore. Right. Like, yeah. And right now I'm not even hands-on in my myofascial release practice because all I'm doing is coaching MFR therapists. Sometimes I have to remind myself that that's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah, totally. This is totally okay choice to be doing because it's what I want to be doing. So probably for you, you experience some of this imposter syndrome in your business right now. Like who am I to be a business owner or like a, not a business owner, but like a coach. Mm-hmm. Like I'm new to being a coach. People are going to find out that I don't know what I'm doing or I'm making this up. Yeah. Whereas I'm sure when you started as a massage therapist, you felt that way also. Yes, definitely. I think but the first, you, like in school, I was like, my hands used to shake. And then even more so like transitioning from massage to MFR I just remember my hands shaking. And I think I've heard that from a lot of other therapists. It's like, yeah, you're, you're so nervous. And because you're not gliding or using oil on the skin, like you just have skin to skin contact, like you feel like the patient can feel you shaking. Yes. Yes. Okay. But so tell me if you had to give a massage today, like maybe you're feeling a little bit out of practice, but if you had to give a massage today, would you be nervous about it? No. Why? I wouldn't. I have not given a massage in over 10 years. <laughs> but I'm kind yeah, of like, wishing this was an in-person interview and you could practice on it. I could just rub <laughs> your shoulders. Yeah. Like if yeah. I had to, if someone was like, give me a massage right now or lose all your money, I'd be like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's a kind of a funny situation, but like, would you feel nervous about it? Like, oh my gosh, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. No, I wouldn't. Cause I just have this concept of my, I guess like my self-concept about that is like, I'm just a varsity performer in both massage and MFR. Yeah. Like, I'm on the varsity. How, I nominated how myself. Be- I think that's fantastic. That's a great <laughs> self-concept. But how did you decide that you were on the varsity team? Like you, at some point you decided, but like, how did you become qualified to be on the varsity team? I think a lot of it is my thoughts about it. And also my thoughts about the training that I have, like, I'm so confident mm-hmm. in my skill set. you know, like even the brand of myofascial release being John F. Barnes myofascial release, as opposed to like Rolfing. Lots of people are calling themselves MFR therapists now, but like, this mm-hmm. is a very specific brand. It's like the bus brand. It's like the mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. Shoes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. How many hours do you think you spent doing massages? Well, my school program was a thousand hours. So a thousand hours of training in that alone in a year. Mm-hmm. And then I spent what, five years 
practicing that before I found MFR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was probably yeah. like 15, 20 people a day or a week. So mm-hmm. lots, hundreds of hours, right? thousands maybe. Yeah. So I want to like drive this point home. People who are very successful feel the imposter syndrome a lot, mm-hmm. but only because they're continually up-leveling themselves. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes so much when sense. When you started out as a massage therapist, you felt like an imposter because you didn't know what you're doing. And then yeah. you gave massages for thousands and thousands of hours, mm-hmm. right? For years. And after you did it over and over, what happens is when you consistently take that action, your brain at first is resisting it so much because your brain is like, we're going to die. We're for sure going to die. People are going to find out we're a fraud. They're going to fire us. We're going to end up homeless. And then we die. Yes. And so your brain is really resistant to it. But as you continually do that action over and over and over again, pretty soon your brain's like, oh, you know, like we haven't died. Maybe we'll add this to the approved list. Yeah. But then you add something else. You add the MFR and you're like, your brain's like, no, this is definitely not approved. Like we're definitely going to die. People are going to find out that we don't know what we're doing. And so it has all that resistance again. But as you do that over and over and over again, and you don't die, your brain eventually stops resisting it and adds it to the approved list. I love this. So, I before you go on, like I just yeah. recently heard this story from one of my, I think it was one of my coaching clients, was saying she ran into someone at a seminar who mentioned they're a doctor of physical therapy and they're taking the MFR courses, seminars. And they are going back to massage therapy school because they feel like they need that in order to do MFR. It's totally yes. unnecessary, but that's like a huge like form of imposter syndrome. Right. Because that person is like, they're looking around the room. Everybody else has their massage like, therapy palpation skills or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. So I'm an imposter. I'm a fraud. And if I have that, then we always think like, oh, if I just get that certification, I'll feel so much more confident. Yeah. But it doesn't make you feel more confident. Right. Sometimes it makes you feel less confident because now you know all the things that you didn't know. Or like now you're like more aware of like all everything that you don't know. And it's like, oh gosh, I'm less confident now having the certification. Yeah. Like the way you gain as a doctor of this and you, but you view yourself as someone that can't palpate or can't provide the treatment, even though you're all learning the exact same, like nobody has like the just right skill set to do. Right. Exactly. The way that you build the confidence is through action. Yeah. Okay. Confidence through action. I love it. Yeah. So people who are in your audience are high achievers because they keep continually pushing themselves. And so a lot of people in this group would look at themselves over the span of their career and they would say, I always feel the imposter syndrome. Like people see it as a really big problem. Like I'm always feeling like an imposter. Maybe you didn't have the name for it. Maybe you just like had that feeling of feeling like a fraud and people were going to find out you didn't know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but they'll be like, imposter syndrome has been rampant in my career. Anytime somebody tells me that I know there's someone who uplevels themselves quite a bit and is massively successful. Yeah. The only way you can feel imposter syndrome is if you're a success. Ooh, I if love you it. just got hired, if you just got promoted, if you just got a new project, you're in a position where you've attained the next level of success. That is when the imposter syndrome comes up. Hmm. Fascinating. Everybody out there listening, this is you because you already have some form of success. Even if you're in the very beginning of starting your MFR business and you're having all these feelings, it's because you've already up-leveled by just 
beginning. Yes. Yes. I love thinking about the things in the past that were so scary for me and now are just like commonplace. Like, oh, I used to be so scared of doing sales calls. And now like Mm -hmm. I've done enough that it's like not scary at all. And I look forward to them. Yeah. And I love thinking about the next thing that feels scary to me. And like pretty soon it's going to be commonplace. Yeah. There'll be a time matter time. Nostalgic for right the rush of it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I used to get like that whenever I had to take money at the end of a treatment, and mm-hmm. like I would literally like get cold and clammy and sweaty and screw up what I was saying, and just I was so awkward because I had all these thoughts running through my head about like, did I do a good enough treatment? Did I understand what their problem was? Did I is the price right? Well, are they going to come back? all those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what happened over time? Then like now I would say like, I freaking love selling MFR. Like I could sell MFR to anyone at any time in any place. Literally I've sold it to people at the crosswalk before, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Cause you've done it so many times and you didn't die. Their brain was like, okay, we don't have to resist this anymore. Yeah. Just became second nature. Yes. But what happens is when you feel cold and clammy, when you're first starting out, your brain is like, something is wrong. Like, this is wrong. This is not going well. Like, obviously, like, we're not cut out for this or there's like something missing in us. Like other people seem to do this so easily. And I feel so uncomfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. The only difference between you and somebody else is that they've been doing it for longer than you have. Totally. Yeah. That's amazing. Always discount it. Like, So I'm a coach. I might look at somebody else who has a coaching business and maybe they've had their coaching business for less time than I have, Mm -hmm. but they're better at sales than I am. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, no, like she's obviously just naturally talented at this. Yeah. But what I don't, what I don't take into account is that before she became a coach, she was selling every single day in her prior yeah. job. Everybody has like a different skill set that they would have more practiced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nobody comes out of the womb knowing how to do any of these things. Yeah. And if you've never sold a thing in your life, like, of course, it's going to be awkward AF. Like every time you do it until you've done it Mm -hmm. just enough times for you to not feel awkward. Like it's just like literally something that just happens overnight. You just switch into that person. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Over time, it's it's kind of like gradual. Mm -hmm. I think it's like any other habit that you do. Like pretty soon, you don't even notice- Like the first time I always like to use the example of like backing out of a garage for the first time, (laughs) right? The first time you're like, oh my gosh, I'm for sure going to like scratch the side of the car. I'm going to bump the side view mirrors, right? Like, and you're so, so careful and pay so such close attention. But by the 100th time that you do it, your brain has put it into your muscle memory and you literally don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. You're thinking about something else and you've got the muscle memory of doing it. It's the same for anything that you do. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And then, yeah, you just back that car up. That's just what you do. Even if it becomes a bigger car, right? (laughs) Right. Now you're thinking about other things like, how can I get my fluffy steering wheel cover? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. So my advice for anybody who's listening who feels like they're having the imposter syndrome is first of all, know that it's completely normal and there's literally nothing wrong with you Mm -hmm. if you feel like an imposter. Yeah. And then what happens when you normalize it? Well, I think when I see it that way, then I am able to just like think of it as like a leaky bucket of energy. 
Like my brain is spending so much energy. There's like a hole in my bucket and all the energy is seeping out because I'm so worried about feeling like a fraud Mm -hmm. and worried that people are going to find me out. Yeah. If I can just kind of like close that hole, what's the like (laughs) the sticky tape that's supposed to fix anything. And I think like if I can like close that hole and stop losing that energy towards worrying about whether I'm qualified or not. And instead can direct that energy towards just owning how successful I am and owning my achievements and all the hard work that I did to get here, then think of how much further I'd go. Yeah. So what does that look like when you own your achievement? Like how will they know if they're doing it or what is like a good way to practice? Mm -hmm. Well, so what generally happens, especially with women, is that we discount our successes. Right. We decide that we weren't supposed to be here or we didn't deserve the success that we had achieved. We just got lucky. Somebody hired us, but they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. And it's really helpful to make an actual list of your achievements. Okay. Like write them down. And anytime you feel like an imposter, like have that list on your desk or on your table or like nearby. And you can look at that list and remind your brain, like, no, I worked hard to be here. Yeah. Like I put in the time, I did the work, I put myself out of my comfort zone so many times and I deserve to be here. Yeah. I love that. And I think therapists could keep a running list of like all the results they've created with their Mm -hmm. clients so that Mm -hmm. when they have a week where maybe people cancel a bunch or there's a lot of pushback or someone has like totally irrational goals, you can see you know, this is okay. Like this is just a brief minute in time, but I have this list of hundreds of success stories that I've helped to create and been a part of because Mm -hmm. of my, my skills and my ability to put myself out there to do it. Yes. I keep a list of all the clients I've had and the number of sessions that I've done with them. And then I look at it, I'm like, okay, girl, you're in the hundreds. Like you're legit. (laughs) Yeah. It's legit now. (laughs) Yeah. Crossover. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just like a made up number, right? Mm-hmm. to legitimize yourself. so Exactly. But it just helps your brain because your brain is always going to discount what you've done. And when you see the actual numbers, you're like, oh, I actually was way off in what I was thinking. Yeah. I think always having touch points with your data and your facts is so important too. Like I go mm-hmm. over that with my clients all the time. I'm like, well, how many clients do you want to see this month? And mm-hmm. how many have you already seen? Like what, yes. how much money have you already earned? Yes. And like, what's the next benchmark? Yeah. It's not like, well, I need 80 clients and I've yes. seen 15. It's I've seen 15 clients. How many more do I need to get to the next mark? And just being willing to look at that data and accept the data versus like assume what the data is because we yes. always under assume what we've made. Right. Our brains are lying to us. When you yeah. see the actual numbers, you went through this exercise with me. Yes. You're like, okay, tell me the actual numbers. And I was like, oh, wow, it's actually not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, right. But our brain is just like, this is an emergency. Like I got to quit mm-hmm. what I'm doing and get a second mm-hmm. job. Everybody's mm-hmm. going out to work at Starbucks or something. When yes. really, if they just calculated and focused and came up with mini goals or mini mile markers along the way mm-hmm. so they can see that they're crossing those lines, yeah. those little finish lines, it helps you to stay on the path. Totally. And it just helps you to tell the truth about where you actually are. Yes. That's yeah. so important, right? Because mm-hmm. we all have stories about <laughs> everything, right? Yeah. And a lot of them are not very nice. They're just like a default setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Totally. So the first advice I have is writing down your list of achievements, really owning the work that you've done and that you deserve to be where you are and that you are qualified to do what it is you want to do. Yeah. So then the second key is to remember that it's not going to last. Whatever you're experiencing right now, whatever you feel like you don't know what you're doing, literally you're going to keep doing it. And eventually you will know what you're doing because you've done it so many times. Perfect. So that could be like good and bad, right? Like maybe you feel, you finally like feel like you get over your imposter syndrome and like, would that also be true? Like this might not last. Oh yeah. (laughs) But it's not a problem. Right. It's not a problem because the next time you up level yourself, you're going to feel the imposter syndrome again. Yeah. So every time you feel that it just means you have up leveled or you're just about to up level. Yes. I always tell people if you fail the imposter syndrome, it's because you're a massive success. I love it. That's the only way, like people who are sitting on their couch doing nothing, never feel like an imposter right? because they're never pushing themselves outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. They're just like varsity Netflix watchers. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) They're varsity, stay in your comfort zone and don't push yourself. Yeah. You don't really let her in that sport. (laughs) No. There's nobody giving out an award for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're feeling like an imposter, it's because you're awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's going to pass just like it has in in the past. I love thinking about times in the past when I felt like an imposter. And now I'm like, oh, that's totally commonplace for me. It's second nature. I can do it with my eyes closed. And this experience that I'm having right now of feeling like an imposter is also going to pass. What about people who feel like they're really stuck in it or like they can't get out of the imposter syndrome? Is that a thing? I think there are people who maybe put too much attention on it. Mm -hmm. Like, If I tried something new, like maybe I just got certified in MFR Mm -hmm. and I feel so scared that people are going to find out I don't know what I'm doing that I never actually do it, right? Like I never actually find clients and practice my skills that I've learned. Yeah. Then theoretically I could get stuck in it because I'm not giving myself the chance to experience it. Yeah. I think that happens actually. And like I've seen it where people have had like hundreds of hours of training and they don't identify yet as an MFR therapist. That they're going to take one more seminar before mm-hmm. they offer it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it like breaks my heart. Cause I'm like, just get like hundreds of hours of practice by doing like actually doing it. Cause that's like we've said earlier, using the skill is what creates that confidence and what creates the ability to provide results for your clients. Mm-hmm. You can't just have the paper on the wall and like right. expect for results to follow. It's kind of what we all think. Like, as soon as I get the certification, the clients are just going to show up. They're just going to magically arrive. They're going to know. I'm going to post about it once and they'll just show up. Yeah. Did you know I'm a certified life coach now? Like, where are the people? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. I'm certified. So people should be flocking to me. Yeah. I think what's so interesting is in this situation or the example that you gave, like, if people have hundreds of hours of practice, they probably don't feel as much of an imposter at being a therapist, they probably feel like an imposter selling that. Yes. It's not the actual act of doing it because they have practiced that over and over and over and feel probably a little confident in their skills. Yeah. It's just owning the identity of now being an MFR therapist. Yeah. And the whole part about where like selling it is just part of the job. Like Mm -hmm. not everybody has a non-for-profit, but they all want to run it. (laughs) way, right? Like, yes. 
the idea that everyone should be able to afford it and you should be able to treat everyone and you should just be giving it away because that feels better. Yes. And maybe it feels better in the moment, but then you have all of the resentment and all of the unpaid bills and all of the problem with your taxes because it's not actually set up as a not-for-profit. So Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I would argue that people probably don't feel like an imposter in MFR. They probably feel like an imposter as this new identity as an MFR therapist and selling themselves as that. Yeah. Which is the perfect opportunity to come work with you because that is exactly what you help people with is the exactly. business side of MFR. Yes. And how exactly how to sell it and how to learn how to love selling it. So they can be like me and they're mm-hmm. just like crossing the street one day and get stuck at that <laughs> crosswalk waiting for the light to change. And you're like, Hey, I'm an MFR therapist and I can help mm-hmm. you. Like you're so excited about it and you are so confident in your skill. Like, of course, everyone wants to hear about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but you just talk about it all the time. I always make you listen about it too. Yes. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. I need this. This is amazing. Yeah. So then I'm like hooking you up with the directory so you can find a therapist in your area and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So fun. Awesome. Is there another point to this? Is there a third? No, I would say we talked about what it is, why you experience it because you're massive success and what to do about it, Mm -hmm. which is really owning who you are, owning your achievement, and just not worrying so much about it. An example that I like to talk about, it was the newest class of Stanford Business School, kind of like an up-and-coming college. I don't know if any of you have heard of it. (laughs) Pretty easy to get in. So anyway, they had the freshman class in an auditorium. Yeah, (laughs) no big deal. And they had them all close their eyes, and they said, okay, raise your hand if you feel like you were the one person who slipped through. Like you were the application that got missed. And like, you're the one person that shouldn't be here. Yeah. And two thirds of the room raise their hands. Wow. Literally, there's no way that two thirds of the room could be the one person who like snuck in and shouldn't be there. Yeah. And like, they got into Stanford. Like, it's not like it's an easy thing to do. Yeah. They all deserve to be there. And I think like, wouldn't it be so amazing if all those people could just own that they deserve to be there? Yeah, And what would happen if they stopped wasting their energy feeling like somebody's going to find me out. They're going to find out that I'm not supposed to be here mm-hmm. and instead just directed all their energy towards I belong here. Yeah. I mean, your experience of the whole thing, your whole life of your business, of the modality you practice, whatever it is, is going to be different if you just agree that you're good at it. Just mm-hmm. decide that you are. Hmm. Hmm. Or even Which, if you feel like you're not good at it, just deciding that you are going to get good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like not that, a problem it's okay that you feel to like. be in the in between. Yes. Yeah. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. If somebody else can learn how to do it, you can too. Like exactly. when we compare ourselves to other people, they're just further along the same path that we are. It's not that they're any different than us. They're just further along the same path. So we just have right. to keep going on the path, and we'll get there. Yeah. And just because other people have what you want doesn't mean that that sets you up to not be able to get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it literally has no effect. Like we're mm-hmm. not going to run out of people to work on. Even if there's multiple therapists in one town, like there's just physically are enough bodies for everyone to have a thriving practice, even mm-hmm. in a tiny town. Yeah. Tiny towns still yep. have hundreds of people in them. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I love this so much. It's like, it's kind of inspirational to know that this is a real thing that lots of people suffer from. I mean, I suffer from it too. 
it just means we're successful. It just means we're constantly up-leveling ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is why I think, you know, like people that do life coaching, people that do myofascial release therapy, we are people, we're helpers and we, we want to see other people succeed. Mm -hmm. And so of course, like we're putting ourselves out there and it's going to be uncomfortable because half the time we don't know what we're doing. We're, we're learning as we go. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes us great. Yep. We're all awesome. We've all got this. (laughs) You heard Amber say it. We're all awesome. (laughs) I love it. All right. Well, Thank you so much for coming on to the MFR Coaches Podcast. I'm going to put links to Amber's coaching program. If anyone is interested in getting coached by her, checking out her information, that will all be in the show notes. Anything else you want to add before we go? We just say you can find me on Instagram at Amber Dibert Coaching, and I also have a podcast called The Achievers Podcast. Awesome. Go listen to her podcast. I'm trying to get on it. So maybe I'll be on there one day. (laughs) I think you've got a shoe in. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much, much, Heather. And everybody, I'll see you next week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Check out my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own Myofascial Release Business. Autographed copies are available at my website, www.themfrcoach.com. Kindle version and print also available on Amazon. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The MFR Coach for more info on today's topic. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.